Gentlemen, James Marshall here for The Natural Lifestyles. Now in today's video, I'm going to be dissecting the different broad strategies that men can use in this modern age in order to meet women, get them on dates, get into relationships. So broadly speaking, we'll be looking at cold approach, that is meeting strangers, social circle networks and the events that you might be involved in through your networks. And then thirdly, of course, online game. So I'm going to be taking a very uh, granular and honest and brutal look at these different strategies to see, okay, how effective are they? How should you be investing your time and energy? What are the benefits that you get from these different methods? And also, what does it cost you? Because this is vitally important. You don't trust your financial investments to some random idea that hasn't been tested. And so why would you do the same with your social and sexual life? If you're single and you want to have women in your life, then you want to be going on dates every week or two. You want to be getting laid regularly. You want to be able to get into relationships if that's what you're, you're after at this point in your life. And if a strategy doesn't deliver those to you, then you need to nuke it and find one that works. So let's take uh, an honest deep dive into what's possible in 2022. Welcome to the Natural Lifestyles podcast with your hosts, James Marshall and Liam McRae, where we will be diving deep into the issues of modern masculinity, seduction, dating, lifestyle design, sexuality, psychedelics, you name it. This is the Natural Lifestyles podcast. When I was growing up in the 90s, there was only really two ways that I could meet women and try and get laid. That was by going to parties, which was an extension of the small social circle that I had at high school. Maybe there would be the occasional friend of a friend or someone's cousin or whatever who would come along and then all nine dudes would be hovering around her all night, jostling for her attention. And in the end, no one would get her. And by playing in my band, which was my like lifestyle design hustle. And when I think of my contemporaries at that time, all of us had something like that that we were working on as some kind of angle to create some kind of leverage, right? So I played in a not very famous, not very cool funk band in my hometown. And as a result, okay, I, I might meet girls after the gig or friends and friends might come to see the show. And so occasionally I would meet some women through this process. I had other contemporaries who were doing, like I had one friend who worked out how to make lights before you could just buy them on eBay for five bucks. So he would make strobe lights and flashing lights and disco balls like old school soldering them. And uh, then he would be the guy that would go and do the light shows at the raves, right? Because everything was not very sophisticated at the time. And so he would be the guy that would go there, set up the lighting rig, and then he would go and hustle raver chicks. And that was his shtick. And yeah, we had friends who were DJs or worked in a bar or did, did anything that we could at that time to try and make ourselves stand out from women. Anything that is except for seeing a girl that we didn't know at school or uni or wasn't at a party and going over and speaking to her. We never did that. We never even th we never even thought that was that that never entertained was entertained in our minds. Even if we were at an event where we had a social circle and there was a slightly connected social circle over there, and a girl was giving you the eyes that while she was on MDMA and going <laughs> chewing her face off, uh, you still wouldn't know what to do. You would start working these ridiculous kind of tactical maneuvers where you talk to one person and say, "Hey, do you know that person? To know that person, can you invite me over there?" And then you know, and then say how cool I am and how big my dick is or something, so she can overhear it. And like all of this extremely overcomplicated things that we would do in order to maybe try and break into a new vein of female gold, right? So like, oh, there's a, there's, a, there's a social circle of women over there that someone knows, let's try and break into it through that. And I think we can all be forgiven for, for doing this at the time, for not knowing that there were alternatives because throughout pretty much all of human history, that's how people hooked up, right? They hooked up through their, essentially through their, their social networks, maybe one or two degrees of separation. And traditionally, we would have hooked up through all sorts of cultural events by meeting at the local village dance or parents hooking us up together 
uh, or just the fact that we were in proximity so often that we would bump into each other enough that eventually someone would get up the courage to ask the milkmaid down the road out. I think that's how it happened. I don't know, something like that. But there is, there's some obvious, like very, very evident drawbacks to these systems. And when I think back, to, I mean, we weren't thinking so systematically, we were just horny young dudes, like how do we, can we get a girl? And we would go out on Fridays and Saturday nights with kind of like, as if we were buying a lottery ticket or, or like, you know, wishing on a magic dice or something. There was just like this, we've got to be out there. And it's very, and there was about six to nine of us going out at any given time. Very unlikely there's going to be six to nine girls meeting us on the street and hooking up with us in just the way we would want. And so what that would mean is that us as like fairly average, sometimes some of us were sort of cool, some of us were better than average looking, but as a, as a phalanx of single horny young teenage or early twenties men, we weren't particularly attractive prospects and we didn't know how to hunt together properly. We didn't know what we meant to be a wingman or how to approach girls or how to create uh, intrigue and draw them to you and so on. We just went out and we're like, maybe tonight, maybe one, you know, we were just entering the might get laid somehow casino and occasionally somebody would, right? Because we were pretty social. We would go out, we would go to bars, we'd go to events and gigs and we would, you know, know some people. And so we had some very low level status and or clout. And yeah, people would get drunk and they would bump into each other. And, and sometimes the girl would open the guy or make it easy on him. And, and uh, people would hook up and then they'd end up in relationships. And that was kind of it. I don't miss those days. What I do miss or kind of regret is not knowing what I know now. I guess most people would say that about something. But I certainly regret that, that not knowing during this golden window before online game, and uh, let's say post the, the era when you weren't allowed to have sex before marriage. Right? So if you look at that block of time up until the like 90s, early 2000s, that was the best time to cold approach ever in the history of the world because there was no competition. And, uh, and so I'll start to, to bring in our alternative options, right? So we have our social circle, which is, which is a very legitimate and valid methodology or strategy that we can implement in order to amplify our, our sexual life and our social life. I mean, that's, it is our social life, right? And certainly, like the vast majority of people still to this day, even though around 30% of people meet online, still the vast majority of them are meeting through their social networks. And that, what does that mean in real life? It means, yeah, going to a dinner party and someone invited another friend and those two people hooked up or, you know, any, anything where we're extending our networks out so that there are different people coming in. And then, okay, because of proximity, because also for the woman, like choosing the male, she gets to see him maybe in action in some kind of capacity over time. And, and he, the attraction that she has for him grows because that tends to be the way things work with men and women. Like men are kind of attracted instantly if at all, if they're going to be, uh, women certainly can be attracted on site, of course, but often they will give a man more of a chance if he, if they've spent multiple uh, impression times with him and he does the right thing, right? Because if I spend five to 10 to 15 hangout times with a woman in my social circle and I am exhibiting all the characteristics of the friend, then very quickly she will categorize me in that spot and I'm stuck there. It's almost impossible to get out of the friend zone because it's not a, you know, a place you go into and you can choose to come in or out of. This is based on the woman's decision about whether she sees you as a sexual prospect or not. Now, sometimes that can be flipped around because she sees you with another attractive girl and then she gets jealous and then maybe she might be attracted. People do hook up very long term in social circles, you know, five years in. But usually that's because when they first met, they were one or other or both of them were dating someone else within the social circle. They had some kind of se sexual tension, but the Romeo and Juliet can't be together thing kept that tension 
you know, at an ambient high. And so when they finally did have the chance to cheat or someone breaks up, then they often do hook up. And okay, that might've taken three or four years to get to that position, but the attraction was always, always underlying the relationship. Whereas when the woman decides you're her friend, that's where it stays. And keep those women, please, as, a, as an aside, having really close female friends is extremely valuable, particularly as you get older in life and having options about where you want to get your female nourishment from is really important. So being able to see women not as sexual prospects is also a really smart strategic move. And it's a nourishing, good human thing, but it's a good strategic move to improve the overall market value of your social world. It's no secret that a group that has two hot girls in it that aren't being fucked by anyone, but maybe they looks like maybe they are, that to the outside that particularly to women, that group looks more attractive because they're thinking, oh, well, if there's hot girls over there, they must be doing something right. They must be cool. I want to be part of that as opposed to the, you know, chode crystal, as they used to say, over in the corner, who's, you know, all looking at their phones and, and having furtive glances at the women around there and look like they're not comfortable with women. So anyway, let's, let's let, break down our, our three modern strategies. If we, if we think that, okay, previously it was pretty much up to the very few people that had the balls or even like understanding it was possible to do cold approach of some sort. And then people who uh, worked their social networks. And that's, you know, that's what I did throughout high school and my teenage years. And that's how I got my girlfriends. Like I did eventually get girlfriends within the social scene. I was social enough that, that it was, there was enough critical mass of people that, yeah, there would be attractive women coming out in. And also keeping in mind that it is to some degree determined by your age, right? When you're in your teenage years to your twenties, people are more often single they're also mingling more, they have more time and energy, they're hornier and their hearts are more resilient so they can go and trash themselves a few times with bad relationships. And so they're more open to that, right? And, and so that's typically why people have this kind of organic expansion of their social world in their early years and it starts to atrophy at certain points and then there is often extremely steep drop-off points where suddenly you go from, oh, okay, I've got my social world to it's all gone. And that's, that happens when people leave university or leave jobs or their friends start getting married and so on. And I work with lots of guys who were social throughout their teens, 20s, maybe early 30s. And then they find that their social world has obliterated and they actually have nowhere now to meet women except for reverting to the apps. There was a time and when Tinder first came out, I remember it. I, I was traveling teaching at the time and this new thing came out. People were like, oh, you can do this thing and swipe. It's a different type of dating app because, well, there was no dating apps. Prior to that, it was dating sites where people had to write long descriptions and you would send people six different emails and it was quite slow and much more based around people like having discussions about their values to figure out if they should meet as opposed to Tinder, which is hot, wouldn't fuck you, would fuck you, wouldn't fuck you, would fuck you, which is you know, boiling it down to the most brutal metrics, which is basically on-site attraction, which is all, all we can work with. No one reads the bios. No one cares what you say in it, girl or guy. They're just like, hot or not, get out, or yes, I'd fuck you. It's pretty brutal. But uh, there were, when we first, when this first came out, it was a, there was a very brief golden age. And all of myself and all the TNL crew and our, and our you know, pickup artist friends took full advantage of it, which was for a year or so, lots and lots of women jumped on that app and lots of women who never did it again. <laughs> so there was this kind of golden age where women were like, all right, what's this something app? Yeah, well, there's hot dudes I can just swipe and yeah, maybe I'll, I'll just go and meet some. And uh, for about a year, all of us were hooking up a lot on Tinder and with high quality women. Very soon though, we saw quite a precipitous drop off. Now that was related to two major factors. And this is, it's really important to actually start looking at some of the cold hard data when it comes to dating apps. And I'm gonna talk 
almost exclusively about Tinder because it has the vast majority of the market share. All the other ones, Bumble and Hinge and Sugar Daddy sites and Jew Dating or whatever the, all, the, all the niche ones are, these are really tiny pockets of demographics. So overall, we're looking at Tinder because this is indicative of the what's happening on a, on a global scale with, with uh, you know, electronic dating uh, services. What happened soon after, a year or so later, they started to monetize the app. And what this meant was that it was obviously directed at men because men were the only ones that were going to be paying. And very soon, anecdotally, we went to a new city and we got nothing on Tinder. It just was dry. We were getting the odd match from a girl that we would consider to be far less attractive than any girl we could meet on the street that we wouldn't bother with. And even those girls were, were being like really flighty, sassy, non-committal, entitled, right? So it seemed to it seemed to really start to skew the dating market as a whole. Now, whether that's true or not, we're going to look into. I don't actually think it is. I think that for a smaller percentage of people that, yes, it, is, it has vastly changed the dating game. But if we look at the actual statistics, for the most part, things are not so different than they used to be. They just feel like they are. So let's look first at some of the basic stats that you should be very aware of if you've signed up for Tinder and you're like all excited and you're getting into it. Firstly, you should understand that the algorithm is designed like a casino. And what a casino is designed to do, take all of your money. How do they do that? They don't say, give us all your money right up front and we'll give you nothing because that doesn't work. They're like, give us a little bit of money and then we'll give you 50% of that back and you'll feel like you won something. And then gradually over time, we will chew it up and we'll get everything out of you whilst keeping you on that cat string of feeling like you're just just one away from making bank. Tinder works similar in some ways to this in the sense that when you first get in there, you will be allocated a certain rank by the algorithm, which will be somewhere more neutral. You will initially receive a bunch of women that will come across your screen that, that look very attractive. You'll get a whole bunch of hotties. Some of these are fake. Some of them are real, but they're just popping them on in front of you to give you that initial boost. Now, then they'll, of course, will be advertising. Do you want to pay extra to get to go to the top of the queue or, or to get super likes or whatever random features that they have are? And a certain percentage of men will pay for that. Then they will get a little spike of, of extra matches and then they will dump them all and they will take them all away from you because they want you to, to oscillate between scarcity, craving, and then the occasional uh, win on the pokey, pokey machine, which is not a real win at all, right? It's a match which will most likely flake or even just getting to see the attractive women uh, keeps a man hoping, right? So it keeps him on the edge of like, oh, I've got a couple of matches and I'm sort of chatting and oh, maybe that girl's going to reply and I feel like something's going on in my dating life. But let's always remember to step back and go, when was the last time these lips touched a female lips. When was the last time I was on a date with a woman who liked me and went home with me? You know, when was the last time I was in a relationship? If the answer to this and is none or one or two bad dates and you've been relying 100% on dating apps and that's the results that you're getting, then you are being very unintelligent about how you're investing your time. Because let's look at some other awful statistics. User data. 78% of men on Tinder are men. 78% <laughs> of people are men and 22 maths are women. So what that straight out of the gate tells you, there is a three to one ratio, right? So like imagine if you were starting a business and the only customer base you were looking at was an area where there were three, there were three com competitors for in the same business as you for every customer, right? Initially, instantly you'd be like, hmm, this is not a niche. This is an oversaturated market. 
right? So we have a three to one ratio initially, which means you're already, you know, three or four times worse off than females. They have three or four times more choice than you do. So where do you fit into the pecking order versus them is going to be very skewed as opposed to if there was equal, equal members of men and women. So that's the first thing to look into about why Tinder fucking sucks and why, why it sucks on so many levels. It doesn't, cause I, I know you know that already. Like you intuitively feel a little bit like this kind of sucks cause I feel bad. You know, oh, the only hot girls that I see don't match me. Or when I get a match, you kind of say, Hey, how are you? And she, or you try and say a, a clever or fun line or something. And maybe she replies a little bit. And then you say one thing that was slightly off or she finds a bit boring or she's just busy and then she's ghosted and that's it. You're done and you're back to square one. We've all experienced that, right? Maybe you were there at the beginning golden age when it was good for about a year, but we've all had that demoralizing experience, but it's much worse than just like the, oh, this doesn't seem to work. It's designed not to work for you. So in order to make you feel as bad as you can about yourself and extract as much time, attention and money as they can out of you. That's what it's for. And that's the only reason that business exists is to prey on male loneliness and horniness and try to attract as enough females to keep men chasing this. So the stats on this get much worse though, because you're like, okay, so it's a four to one. All right, well, I guess I can slug it out against the other three guys. No, it's much worse than that. Because men, we all, you know this too, is that we swipe on average, 61% of women, we will swipe right. That's the one, right? Where you like them? I think so. I haven't done it in a long time. 61%. And I remember doing that. I would just be like, swipe everyone because what, you know, I don't have any choice here. I don't get to go, mm, oh, I see. She's got a puppy and she's, she's into philosophy. Huh? And she went, or she's an alma mater of like, it doesn't matter. Just woman, woman, woman. Does anyone want some dick? Guess what the percentage is on the woman's side? 4.5%. So only four to five times out of a hundred profiles that they look at, will they even consider talking to you? Right? So. Just, okay, let's just do the math. So it's 60% versus 4.5 divided by the 78 multiplied by the, it's not that, is it? You can do more, you can do more of the math yourself. I just started writing down statistics a couple of days ago when I was researching this and I was trying to thinking about how I would explain the stats and this and that. And then I was just like, I'll just say them and you'll figure them out because I'm not a maths person so much, but even me can see that these numbers suck. Right. So then, okay, there's only four point, you know, you only get a 4.5 percent chance of it even being swiped on by the girl but it's worse even than that this is like the worst sales pitch <laughs> not only will you lose your time not only will you feel awful about yourself but it's actually impossible to get laid on this thing try it today 9.99 so it's even worse than that because the algorithm is also hates you basically 80 percent of you anyway essentially what happens is somehow i don't know how the algorithm works the way it works is that only the top 20% of men, and how do they define that? By the amount of attention and I guess screen time and swipes that certain men get. And why is that? Because they have incredible personalities and they you know, can reach into your soul and draw out you know, what's real and true for you and they can fuck you like a demigod. Well, maybe, but they don't know that. No, this is all based on looks, all right? So what happens is that the 20% of hottest or most appealing men get fiddled around by the algorithm so that 80% of women, the top 80%, right? So from the lowest, you know, the lowest 30% up to the hottest, they are all seeing this top 20% of men. And they and and you need to understand this. They don't even see you, right? Like they never see your profile. It's not like the, oh, if I need to ch if I change my photos, my bios and bit, and I can edge it up a little bit. The algorithms put you in that category of like the, the bottom 80% of men. Then you will only get to see the bottom 20% of women, right? That 
sucks, but that's how it works, right? So you add all those numbers up, the fact that it's three to one to start with, the fact that only four out of a hundred times will a woman like a guy and she was choosing that four out of a hundred that was chosen from the top 20% of men, right? So what all this boils down to is the the unlikeliness of you being able to, as unless you're extraordinarily attractive, or let's say you're, you're in the top 20% of attractive guys and you know how to present that, right? So you are able to create the right images, the right type of photography uh, that sends out the right type of fuckboy messages to the, to the woman. And then you're still going to deal with all, even in that case, you're still going to deal with the large amounts of flakes, which both men and women do to each other. I flaked back in the day. I flaked on girls all the time on online because after like, Five minutes of chatting, I'm like, eh, like, there's nothing here. Like, it's a photo. Yeah, she's pretty. There's lots of pretty girls out there. Am I going to pursue this and grind through this, like, conversation with basically a photo that I have no feeling to? Nah, maybe not, and I let it drop. And women do this often very commonly as well. So, you know, even when you do get the matches, the likelihood that you will actually go and meet each other is very low. And, I, and at some point, I realized that because I was getting on chats and I was realizing I only met one out of every 10 to 20 of these girls. And I almost reactively wrote... So there's a 90% chance that we'll never meet. Can we speed that up by just going to get a coffee? Like I would even start seeing that kind of reactive, bitter message, which didn't work at all because the girl's like, oh, what? And like, yeah, well, fuck you and you're 90% of women. Like in inevitably, when we put effort into something over and over again, it doesn't matter that the effort didn't take much skill. Like I had to do that. It's my time. It's my life. It's my focus. It's my hopes. It's my emotions. It's my sexual arousal. I'm putting it all into this one space. And I'm getting fuck all out of it. And I'm told that it should work because it's a service and, and it kind of looks like it gives the impression of endless options, but there aren't, but it's not that at all. So what is the results of this for men over time if they are relying solely on this as their dating strategy? It's that they will spend long periods alone. They will be celibate. They will have all these frustrating half starts and then they will inevitably need to settle for women that, that are less attractive than they would wish for. And look, that, that, that will be a reality for many humans throughout their lives. At some point, you will have to, some people will settle for someone that's not exactly their most attractive mate, but, but they have lots of other qualities that make them want to be with them. Awesome. But initially, we want to be attracted to the person. And if we don't even get to choose to go on dates with people that we find attractive to find out then if we even like them, then this is very demoralizing. This leads men down pathways which can go into some really dark places. And it can be projected inwards at, and, and mostly it will be in the sense that you will be thinking, okay, I've been rejected by every single woman in the city. It, it appears so. Although I remember that 80% of them no, never saw you in the first place. And so what does that say about me? It says that I am worthless in the dating world, that I don't have sexual market value at all, that no one wants me, that I'm unlovable, that I'm ugly, that like that this is really hard and I'll never get this. Like all of the, all of this negative self-talk could, could can easily take over. And it may also or alternatively flip and project out to the women, right? So it's so a bitterness comes in where it's like, fuck these entitled women. What's what's wrong with him? I'm a good guy. I'm a nice guy. I'm a decent person and I'm getting passed over just because women are only interested in the top 10 chads who won't commit to them anyway. They're just going to use them on their cock carousel and they're going to hit the wall and then red pill and black pill and that, that kind of thing. Now, I've done a lot of deep dives into the red pill movement and the black pill movement and MGTOW and incel because I, I want to understand what's going on for men. And even though I may make the odd flippant joke about the, the red pillars, 
pillers, not the pillars. I certainly understand where these feelings come from. It's understandable that for men who are within the average, and that doesn't mean an average worthwhile human being, it means in certain metrics which we value people sexually, which is looks and height for men, and maybe if they can, and status, which doesn't, is not always, in fact, mostly is not about wealth, it's about indicators of social status, right? Which for a 22 year old guy is wearing a cool hoodie, uh, riding a skateboard and like, hanging out with at the skate park and smoking bombs, right? Like that gives him a certain level of status that 16 to 19 year old alternative skater chicks who want to, you know, hang out with bad boys who ride skate skateboards. That's, that's the status that they're after. That girl wouldn't want to go on a date with a, it would be very weird for her to go on a date with a, you know, seven figure business guy who takes her to a fancy restaurant and sits across from her just because he's, you know, exposing his wealth doesn't mean that she perceives that as status. She may see that as creepy or weird or uncomfortable, right? So status is very, is very different depending on different demographics. But you can, there are certain archetypes of people who can project that type of status through the digital world. And you see that, like, look, just look up Instagram fuckboy and you'll see him, right? He's got tattoos. He knows how to pose. He knows how to curate the right type of lifestyle on his Instagram so that it's like body shot, face shot, puppy shot, party shot recycled whether they're thinking about it in those terms or not but ways to project certain charismatic archetypes to women that they will respond to just from the photo but for the most part men are average in the sense okay you may not on site make a woman wet and you have average social networks so you have a fairly standard friendship circle where you have your guys your guys and maybe someone's got a girlfriend or maybe there's the there is a, a female or two in that social circle maybe not and we don't really, you don't, none of you have any real clout. No one's clamoring to get into the group. You're not hated. You're not outcast, but you're just like a normal bunch of people. And unfortunately, two women on the other end of this who do have, as opposed to men, almost unlimited choice. Now, choice of what though? Okay. They don't have choice of like forever after with the man of their dreams. They do have choice about getting laid tonight. For example, I remember one time in New York, back in the heyday of, of Tinder, a girl wrote to me who I would, call not hot and I would give a number to her but I don't feel like being mean today really not hot but she just wrote to me and said hey you know I, I swiped her with everyone else so I just was swiping and so she matched and she just wrote saying hey I'm here um on a conference or something and I've got a, a nice hotel room for the night do you want to come around and you know what I did I went over and I had sex with her why because men will do that and I would never see her again and I wouldn't date her and I'm not proud of it and I don't know why I did it but I'm just like there was free sex offered and and I went and I took it uh, and, and I was on, objectively, I was much more attractive than her. So like a woman of that caliber can decide to like go, I feel like getting laid tonight, or I want to hook up, or I want to get revenge on my boyfriend, or I want to see someone, but I don't want to do it in, within work or in my social work circle because I don't want to, you know, cause a mess or a drama. And that was like, in, in terms of unleashing female sexuality, Tinder was the, I don't know if you'd say the best, but the strongest change since the birth control pill that has occurred in women's dating lives. Because for women back in my, you know, my generation, they had even less choice than us actually, right? Because even though she might be pretty, we would still drunkenly approach sometimes and we would do it badly and whatever, but women almost always would not. So they were limited to the, literally the social circle that they had around them. Yes, men would come and approach them sometimes in clubs, and they might get like to meet women, men out who are the, the very rare brave men who would go and do that or 
men who are not totally wasted and were charming. There wasn't many of them, but that would happen sometimes. But for the most part, who did she get to choose from, even if she was a high value female? Well, she only got to choose from within the social scene that she was embedded in. Okay, so if she was like a cool girl who was partying and or, you know, just social, goes was invited to things, then yeah, she might be, she would, if she, and she was more attractive than most of the other girls, then she would be able to sharpshoot and get a cool boyfriend within that scene or sleep with the cool guys if she wanted to, um, would be able to, you know, climb that hierarchy. But it was very limited to her so one social world. If she was super social and she would go out to festivals and to clubs or go to parties, then she would break into other types of social circles that were like links, let's say, by cultural things. For example, like the hipsters, there was lots of different pods of hipsters or rockers or bogans or uh, sport sport people, jocks. So, you know, they might gradually leapfrog into different social circles, but it was pretty slow and they would they would usually have to wait for men to come and make the first move. Tinder allowed women for the first time in history to uh, reach out first within their own cities and later internationally, once we included Instagram in this as well, but to reach out and to go, hmm, I want this type of guy. I've never had sex with a black guy. Let's find one. Oh, cool. I'm going to write to him. Yeah, or I've never been with like a, a rich guy who's got a nice car. Maybe I'll try that. Or I just want to like find a really, really buff guy who's dumb and use him for his body for a night. Cool, I can find that too. Like for a woman who's reasonably attractive, let's say seven and above, she can do any of that on any given any given day. Now, of course, women have their own problems. They find it hard for men to commit. And if all women are being filtered up to this top 20% of men, what does that mean, right? That those men are not dating monogamously all those women are they no they are they're having casual relationships or one-night stands uh, or string certain girls along or having fuck buddies with multiple women right so at least two and so you know once a guy ties up two or three women which is not hard to do if you're a player because what does that require it requires seeing the girl once ish a week uh you know replying to her text sometime and then booty calling her or her booty calling you and making sure that when when she's with you she has a good time but you're not that available. And when she texts you the next day, you might wait 24 hours or 48 hours to reply. And so you're in this more powerful position. And now you've got three girls on the, on the go. That may well take three women out of the out of the dating pool. Now, those other girls may see other guys, but if they are, they're probably also seeing other players. So it might be that two players are sharing 10 women in some kind of weird modern harem. But it's unlikely that she's sourcing out what she perceives to be the hot chads. And then she's also like dating what she'll perceive to be an average, average or not that appealing man. If she's into her phase of using Tinder, then she'll be using it to find the higher quality dick that she can find. And this pr brings us into a, like the habits of how women use Tinder. There's like 7.8 million users in the US, which is something like two and a half percent of the population. So it's still tiny. Right. Remembering that there is a four to one or three to one ratio men to women and women don't use it like we do. When men have Tinder, they keep it there until they've got a girlfriend and the girlfriend makes them delete it. Right. Like it's and maybe they use it every day. Sometimes they might get frustrated and delete it or ignore it for a while. But for the most part, it is an ever present thing. I'm like, oh, I'll try this again today. And I'm just using that, working on that indefinitely until I get something going. Women tend to not use Tinder like that. I've talked to specialists in this field, particularly Hayley Quinn, who works much more on the female side. And she says women come and go to dating apps. So they're single and they haven't had much going on or they went on a bad date with someone at work or something. And then they're like, and they're complaining to the girlfriend. The girlfriend says, download Tinder. You'll find a guy tonight. And so she does. And then she has a hookup or a multiple hookups. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's disappointing. But 
typically when like don't enjoy the team. I mean, none of us do, but it's it's probably le- less enjoyable for us. But it's also not enjoyable for women because women are visually stimulated, yes, but they're really masculine stimulated. Yeah, that a woman like he may, if he's extremely beautiful, he's a, he's a male model Adonis. Then yeah, she might be like, okay, I'll just take the meat, give me the meat. I don't care what the personality is. But for the most part, women feel attracted to men by sensing their presence, by feeling their masculinity, by responding to their direct intention. And this is where she sees the core and the fire and the hunger in a good way, um, the intensity of the man. And she gets to see, is this a man who's going to make this happen? Is he going to make a move? Is he going to do his job? Or is he going to be a pussy about it and wait and hang around and uh, hang back? Right. So you, you have so much more advantage in real life because we can present the man, whereas online we're presenting the photo. So for women, often it doesn't, that's hard for them to deal with. They're like, uh, the photo, I can't. Yeah, he's this, he looks in this and that way, but I don't get any feel of the man. So I'm just going to say no. And I've sat with women before. I've said, okay, show me how you swipe. And they're just like, no, no, no. And I'm like, stop. Go back to that guy. What's wrong with this? He's handsome. He's got a fucking dog. He's got a nice smile. What's wrong with this guy? And she's like, oh, you know, that, that shirt, I don't like it. Or, you know, you can see in the background that he's got a something that women don't like. Or it's in the gym in the in a way that makes her think of it. Like, there's just all these aesthetics where she's like, no, nah, can't do it. No, nah. I mean, like, you wrote off a whole human being because of his shirt, right? She's like, yeah, because that tells me what I... Because she can't get a sense of anything else of the man. Whereas if she met the guy on the street and he was wearing not the best shirt in the world, but he was charming and, and direct and made her laugh and made her feel a bit uncertain about what was going on, then she may well find herself attracted to the very same man. Thanks so much for listening to the Natural Lifestyles Podcast. Check us out on YouTube at The Natural TV. See you on the next episode.